Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, Armor Insiders. Welcome to the in-game update. Both insiders and all of you at YouTube, thanks for joining me on a Saturday. I appreciate you guys taking some time out of your weekend to get yourselves ready with me for the trading session next week. So the Armor Report, what are we trying to do here? It's the Algorithmic Risk Management Research Report. That's why it's called the Armor Report. I consider it armor for a portfolio. We start by finding a way to protect capital first, then we capture upside second. That's our process. And it's a stair-step approach to increasing net worth. So we have windows of opportunity that open. We invest aggressively, capture the upside, then spend a lot of time protecting that capital, looking for the next opportunity. So it's a three-stage process. We build our whiteboard. That's where all of our fundamental research is done. We use armor algorithms to decide when to put capital to work and when to protect capital. And then we use stop losses to tie it all together. So today what we're going to do is we're going to break down what our algorithms are saying about the market. We call that the risk monitor. Okay, so we're going to go over that real quick and what has to happen next week to change that risk monitor from what is red right now to green. Okay, so we'll go over what the steps are for, for you all to watch for next week and what I'll be watching for, right? Um, then what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time um, chatting about um, month-end OPEX. I shouldn't say month-end. Um, the, the biggest options expiration, which is going to be Friday of next week. So each month, the third Friday of each month is OPEX, the biggest OPEX. And so a lot of um, behavior takes place during that week that you need to understand so you can prepare for it and profit off of it if you see the opportunity set up, okay? But understand that there's a lot of cross currents the week of OPEX, and so we're going to go over that. Then we're going to skip into two of my favorite groups, right? I love cannabis stocks. I love precious metal stocks. I don't own any of them, and I haven't for a while now. So there's something very similar about these groups. We're going to talk about them and figure out what has to happen for us to start putting capital to work there. Um, I always like to highlight some of our best names off of the whiteboard. So once we're done talking about these other topics, we're going to go through the charts. I'm just going to share with you, here's at the top, these are the names that are at the top of the whiteboard, meaning fundamentally, we've already done the work, we like these names, and these are the stocks for next week that we're watching in case we want to put money to work. Okay, and then of course, as always, I'll take um, Q&A. So, Feel free to um, load up the message board, and at the end, we'll go through and, and share information. So don't forget, everything I'm talking to you about uh, is information I use personally to manage my own personal assets, right, and for investors I manage money for. So when it comes to the Armour Report, you've got to determine your own risk tolerance, your own goals, all those types of things. Um, so do your own due diligence um, and, and all the other disclaimers that we're all you know, used to. All right, so let's move on. If you want to subscribe to this channel on YouTube, it's right down here. You can also check out the Armor Report if you'd like um, and, uh, and subscribe there. This is the Armor Report. Now, right up top, there's a free uh, email um, alert that you can subscribe to if you'd like to start there. Just click on that. And if you need to, you can always um, send me an, uh, an email direct to our 
our website, info at armorreport.com, and make sure you're on that email list. And periodically, maybe maybe every day of the week, maybe not. Some, it depends on when we have information worth sharing. We'll send out an email to you. And, of course, if you want to, you know, hit that like button. It's up to you, whatever you'd like to do there. So let's dive in. Um, the first uh, part of this discussion, we're going to go over the um, – the indexes. So let's go take a look at the charts. I'm going to share with you what my thoughts are. Um, Chad, that's just for you. All right. So here's the S&P. Let's start with a big picture. Then we're going to drill down into the groups that we like, the stocks that we like, and take questions. Okay. Market had a couple days where it was up. You can see on this chart, we have a downtrend. Right here is risk monitor red. That yellow bar is when the armor report for Armour Insiders and for you all that follow on Saturdays, we shared with you on that date, the 10th of September, we were in our max cash position. That's what, that's what Risk Monitor Red means to me, max cash. Whatever that means to you, we all run portfolios differently. I have an index-only portfolio I run. And in that portfolio, max cash means 100%. So we've been 100% cash since September 10th in that index portfolio and then various degrees of cash in all the other portfolios that I manage, okay? Um, so what I do want to highlight is th this was our exit point right here following Armour algorithms. They're the seven indexes. We have algorithms written for all seven. We look for confluence moves where all the indexes are doing the same thing at the same time, and that's really what changes the risk monitor from cover to cover. So that's what happened right here on the 10th. And, of course, the market's been down ever since. You can see that there. But what happened right here is important, too. On the 28th, this day right here, you're going to see um, – I'm a big fan of the Investor's Business Daily. That's what this website is, IBD, Investor's Business Daily, the William O'Neill style of investing. And right here, they have their own version of their risk monitor. It goes, as you can see here, red. It goes yellow. It goes green. Okay. So we're trying to make this easy, um, and um, just like IBD makes it easy, we're trying to break down. From their standpoint, they have a whole other reason, their own algorithms of why they go red, yellow, or green. So what I, I've always built, my, my career started with the Investor's Business Daily and the William O'Neill style. I think there's a lot of great information. It's a wonderful foundation for building your investing strategy. If you don't know this paper, you know this website. If you if you don't if you haven't read the book How to Make Money in Stocks by William O'Neill, it's a great place to start for new investors. Okay. Um, so I just find it very interesting. You know, for a long time now, during this year, the Armour reports had a couple of risk monitor reds that didn't result in the market going lower. And if you watched what was going on at the IBD, it never went red. Right? It just stayed yellow. Right? So they have different algorithms. So when we both converge and we're both saying the same thing, that makes me even more um, concerned for the market. Let's put it that way. So what has to happen to get this to change to risk monitor green, which will get us to put money back to work? So first of all, a two-day rally does nothing to change any algorithm. Okay? It doesn't mean anything when the market goes up for two days, which it did Wednesday and Thursday, and then it had this sideways day Friday. And we can go look at the other indexes of, of importance. Here's the small cap index. Okay. 
So small caps are actually performing better than the big brethren. And that's because um, something like 23% of the small cap index are small cap and mid cap banks. And of course, when interest rates are going up, the bank stocks are going up. So that's what you're seeing here. Okay. Um, the Dow. Looks like the Dow has found support, double bottom perhaps, right on this uptrend, closes above the 50-day. That's more positive than the S&P, and that's because it's more loaded with financials. Okay, and financials are leading the market along with energy. We're going to get to that in a minute. And then, of course, the weakest index is the NASDAQ 100. Okay, and so let's just talk real quick. The NASDAQ 100 is very sensitive to interest rates. So when you see treasuries going down, treasury bonds going down, interest rates going up, that's generally a negative sign for the, for, for the NASDAQ 100 technology growth-generated stocks and a positive sign for banks, okay? So um, that's why you see the differences in these, in these indexes, all right? And it all ties up with um, treasuries. So let's go take a look at TLT. Now, this is really the chart that's most concerning to me. So what we're trying to figure out here is when will the risk monitor change color? Um, and I want to say to you today, this is the thought that I want to share with you today. Okay, that's the, that's the long bonds. So what you're looking at here is the long bonds breaking down okay, in a fairly aggressive way. So there was this uptrend going on, and then boom, just started to crater. And it started to do this because the Fed came out and said, we are going to taper no matter what. The non-farm payroll that came out yesterday, to me, uh, is the worst case scenario for the stock markets. So now we're just talking about fundamentals, risk monitor reds, both ours and the IBD, and we're trying to figure out why that's happening and what would change it to green. The takeaway from the non-farm payroll number is that we're headed for stagflation if you believe what the Fed is saying. The Fed said at their last meeting they are without a doubt tapering. The Fed said at the last meeting we're not data dependent, we're tapering. So we just got a fairly lousy employment number and as far as we know, the Fed is still tapering. If the Fed came out next week and said, we don't like that number, so we're not going to taper until next year, we would have a rip-roaring stock market right into the end of the year. That would probably change its risk monitor degree. We'd get a breakout. Okay? But if the Fed is true to their word and decides to reduce liquidity, that's what tapering is, reducing liquidity, you know, and you might want to tattoo this on your arm so you can always look at it over and over again. Stock markets go up when the Fed adds liquidity. Stock markets go down when the Fed reduces liquidity, period, full stop. Go ahead and tattoo it so you don't ever forget it. You know, like right here, like in a little heart or something. You know, instead of mom, instead of I love mom, it'll say like that sentence. If you're an investor, you've got to understand that and get rid of all the other noise around you. It really is that simple. And the reason they don't tell you it's that simple on CNBC is that, you know, how would they fill the airtime? Like, I'm, I'm just going to talk to you for half an hour, then we're going to go over charts, right? But how would I talk to you all day 
if it's really that simple. I have to make up all kinds of stuff to make you think it's a lot more you know, confusing. It, it isn't confusing. Fed reduces liquidity. Markets suffer. Period. Full stop. Nothing's going to change that. So if we get weaker than expected economic numbers and the Fed tapers anyway, you have stagflation. We saw that in the 1970s. So what stocks perform best in an environment like that? Well, first of all, almost none. Okay, so markets go down and there's like the rolling correction is what happens. That's the best case scenario. The worst is the market implodes, which maybe that's a better scenario because it'll implode and the Fed will start adding liquidity again. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we're going to get to the group that performs the best during stagflation. We're going to talk about that in a minute, okay? Because without a doubt, you can look at stagflation periods. This group always outperforms, and guess what? It's had a hell of a couple weeks. This group has had a hell of a couple weeks while the, while the treasuries are selling off, which means rates are going up. Money's coming out of the NASDAQ 100. So I'm going to end this segment by telling you this. Tools that you've used, strategies that you've used to make you money in the last, I don't know, 18 months or so, that probably aren't making you money in the last month or two. You're probably struggling the last couple months. You're saying, wow, I had all these huge successes in 2020. And now, since March of 2021, geez, I'm struggling. And now it's become a real struggle. And the reason is, Strategies that work when the Fed is injecting tons of capital, tons of liquidity, don't work when the Fed's draining liquidity. You have to change your playbook. It's like coming into Sunday as a football coach and employing the same offense against all the different defenses in the NFL. That wouldn't make any sense because some defenses are better than others at certain things. Okay, so the, the running gun offense that works when the Fed's adding liquidity does not work when the Fed's reducing liquidity. You've got you to change it to, you know, a ground game where you're just pounding out three and four yard carries, moving the chains. That's the market we're in now. If that football analogy works for you guys, that's what we're in. So you've got to recognize that and change. What would get the risk monitor to change um, great. So we've got all of these fundamentals against the risk monitor changing green. We have the market continuing to go lower, and yet the market could blow out next week. So I share with you my fundamental thoughts, and I let the algos decide how I put money to work. Because the market notoriously makes fools out of most of us most of the time, and getting my ego involved is a disaster. So I'm sharing this with you now, and if the market behaves in a manner that gets the algorithms to go green, I'm going to put money to work. And what I'll do with this information I'm sharing with you is that I'll understand we're in a running game type of market, ground and pound. And what I'll be doing is looking to put positions on and swing trade them. I'm not looking to put positions on and look for massive outsized gains. I'm looking to put them on, get a pop, take the money out, rotate to the next idea, because that's what the market will be doing, in my opinion, if the Fed can, it really, really does taper, as they said, okay? But take a quick look at the market. So obviously, if Treasuries were to hold down here and not break below this key band, see this band right here? This is the key right here. If it holds above or in this band, then what I think you'll get is a normal correction, 
And what we'll look for in the S&P, we'll just look at the S&P, all the indexes are kind of um, gearing off the S&P. But what we're going to look for is a market that takes out the high of Thursday. So on my trading desk, what I'll be looking to do is put money to work. Raise this up so you can see that was a down day. See that? That was a, a red day right here, okay? So Thursday, the highs of Thursday. Write this down. This is important, okay? The highs of Thursday in the S&P, the Dow, the small cap, and the NASDAQ. If we were to take out the highs of Thursday, closing in a new high, closing in a new high, so not not a morning spike that implodes, right? But a closing high, okay? Then I don't know for sure. It's an algorithm. So I have to look and see, and I'll be sharing with Armor Insiders as it's happening on our Slack trading desk. Hey, it just happened. We're getting, the algos are changing. We're just getting green here. So Armor Insiders, I'm going to walk you through it as it happens. But my guess is if those four indexes take out the highs of Thursday, we will have a risk green signal and we'll be putting money to work, okay? Short of that happening, and I shouldn't use the word short because I'm not shorting, but if that doesn't happen, then what we're in is a, we're in a downtrend, risk monitor's red, IBD's red, Fed's reducing liquidity, and the economy's slowing down. That's a perfect scenario for a market that goes a lot lower, okay? And so we'll stay there. Now, Let's, um, let's talk about OPEX for a minute because this is what's going to be tricky next week. There's a natural proclivity during OPEX week for the markets to rally up. And I guess in some cases it could be down, but in this case it's up. To the magnet, which is the largest gamma strike. Okay, so the largest gamma strikes, 4,400, 4,450, 4,500. There's a lot of action up there. Let's say 4,450, and we're right below 4,400, right? There's a natural proclivity to rise to that level. The reason is puts are more um, um, affected by time decay and volatility than calls are. So in other words, put players, they're trying to make a quick buck, and the minute they realize that quick buck is not happening, they start selling their puts to get out of the position. This means the dealers are buying puts, and they turn around and buy the underlying to match that position off. So they're buying the indexes. And this drives the market up to key locations. So this could make next week a little bit tricky, especially for the risk monitor, because we could see a what they call Vanna flow. Okay, it's gonna we're gonna see if the volatility index breaks down, we'll see this is happening, and it should drive equity markets higher into opex. So that's gonna get real tricky because we could get a risk monitor green signal, not because big longer term fundamentals have changed, but because there's a uh, mechanical function of next week due to OPEX. It's going to be tricky, and we'll talk about this on the trading desk throughout the week. My number one trade, so let's just move over real quick. VIX is what we are going to be watching real closely. This is actually not the best chart to look at because VIX is always in the downtrend, okay? And it has a series of spikes higher. 
Um, this is very important. Markets can go dramatically lower while VIX is going lower. Let's make sure we all understand that. VIX is not a normal chart pattern. You can't take normal technical analysis and look at VIX and expect breakouts and cup and handles and pennant formations. It doesn't work like that. Okay? There was a great chart that I put up in the, Slack, the Armour Slack trading desk. You guys can subscribe if you want to be part of that trading desk. Right down here, there's a subscription. You can take a look at the Armour report and decide if you want to be part of this. But there was a great uh, chart I put up of, um, I saw this on Twitter and I shared it with you all. There's um, the market sell-off from October 2018 to December 2018 was fairly aggressive. And during that period, VIX went down with the market. But you see, during that period, there were more spikes in VIX. So it's not necessarily VIX in an uptrend. It's just more volatility spikes that coincide with a downward trending market. Okay? So let's go look at our day trading um, uh, charts real quick before I move on. But um, so down the, the, the bottom corner of the screen here, these are the five charts. This is a three-minute, each bar is three minutes. So these are three-minute charts, the S&P, the NASDAQ, small caps, and the Dow. Um, and I've discovered, you know, we're all really good at certain things, and, and we really need to try to focus on what we're best at. And I've discovered, really, the armor algorithm that we use to day trade the indexes makes us fairly accurate when it comes to scalping the indexes, either long or short. So those are our favorite day trades. Every day we're looking to trade the indexes. And again, Armour Insiders, I share with you in the education uh, channel um, four different chart patterns that we look for every day. When we get those patterns on the S&P, we get long the S&P. And what I'll do next week is start sharing with you what the short setups are. Why do we put a short trade on um, but normally what we're doing is long trading on the S&P and the NASDAQ 100. And we use these charts to do it. Okay? But um, VIX is what we're going to be watching real closely. So it's real interesting to see VIX actually down. Look, VIX was down Friday. And yet look what happened to the NASDAQ. Look what happened to small caps. Right? Even the Dow was down. So VIX was down, the market was down. So it's going to be very interesting to understand like, why, is that, why is that happening. Our, um, and this is what I caution you all against, and I'll, I'll move on. Strategies that really work in the Fed's adding liquidity, like gamma strategies, Vanna charm strategies, I don't think that these strategies will be nearly as effective. I know they won't. In a market where the Fed's reducing liquidity. And I think Friday kind of showed that. You would normally expect the market to be up a lot more on Friday with what happened to VIX. Yet the market was down Friday. So anyway, food for thought. When you start to see these things change, and then any, any one day doesn't mean anything, right? But when you see a series of days where you say, hey, that trade should have worked and it didn't, you have to recognize that the playing field's changing, okay? Um, so anyway, that's what I want to share with you about next week. We're going to look for, and I'll, here's my number one trade next week. Write it down, Monday morning, this is what I'm looking for, okay? The market, and this is the S&P here. Let's just blow this up for you. So this is the number one, I'm going to share with you, the number one um, index day trade that I'll be looking for tomorrow or, or Monday. Okay, this is the S&P. 
This is a gap up in the S&P, gapped up to resistance, which is the these, uh, purple dashes are the gamma levels, spot gamma levels, and this black line right here is the 50-day moving average. Okay, so the market just gapped right to the gamma and the 50-day and has now failed for a couple days. Okay, what I what normally happens, particularly in big indexes, is that gaps get filled. Now, if the Fed announces that they're starting a whole new liquidity uh, um, a process and you get a gap because the Fed is starting to add massive amounts of liquidity, then the gap can be left behind, okay? And you would say there's a low percentage chance that it's going to close the gap because the Fed's buying everything in sight. But the Fed says they're reducing liquidity, all right? So gaps normally get filled in that environment. So the ideal trade I'm looking for on indexes tomorrow or Monday is a sell-off Monday morning right to close the gap, right to this yellow line, the armor moving average, okay? It drops down to that line, and we get one of those four reversal scenarios that I've outlined for you, and we've, we've got the charts diagram for you. What are the four setups we look for? If we get that gap down to or sell-off to close that gap, and one of those four reversal um, uh, signals, well, I'm going to hit that with everything I've got in me. Because what I expect is the market to rally up into OPEX, okay? And the reward to risk will be great if we get that gap closure. So that's my number one trade um, for Monday morning. It doesn't have to happen. The market could open on a gap up and skyrocket, so I won't be putting that trade on. But I'm just sharing with you, if I see that, we'll be looking for that reversal trigger. All right, uh, moving on, let's talk about our two favorite groups, cannabis and uh, precious metals have been two of the worst possible places to put money this year. Um, and we don't have money there, right? Okay, so number one, if anyone's following the Armour Report, anyone's been with us for a while, you know that we have all kinds of fundamental ideas, right? We all do. We have a whiteboard. We fill it with our favorite names. We use stop losses to protect ourselves from ourselves. We don't want circular thinking. We don't want to convince ourselves that you know something has to happen the market will do whatever it wants to do okay and we have to read and react to it so we do our fundamental research and if we see the market going in the direction we believe we understand why and we can hit it aggressively but if the market tells us otherwise we don't stay at the table and i hope you haven't either so real quick real quick what just a couple quick thoughts on um uh, on first MSOS, okay? I can't wait to buy this uh, group again, okay? And what really excites me now is this is the original breakout leading up to the election, right? And then, and then we had this election and it looked like, oh my God, you know, Democrats control everything and there's going to be this great kumbaya moment and, and uh, all kinds of legislation is going to pass and that's what this whole run was here. And we enjoyed that huge rise. We bought it in front of the election and we captured that whole run at the armor report, and we got out somewhere right here on this breakdown, right? We ran up like this, broke down, and we were out. We've tried a couple of entry points along the way with tight stops. The most recent one was here. We actually made money on that trade, which is amazing. Um, if I can you know, say that in all humility. We bought it right here. We ended up selling it right up here at the 50 when it made that double top and couldn't punch through. And we haven't touched them since. They just keep coming down, right? But now, look where they are. They've unwound 
all of the political excitement. So from a fundamental standpoint, this is the time to start buying cannabis stocks again. Not technically. I don't have an armor algo telling me to buy cannabis stocks yet. But we were buying cannabis stocks last year before the election, right? And the excitement drove these stocks up. Now, all of the excitement's been washed out of them. But let's look at the fundamentals. The companies are still killing it. The investment opportunity is as good as ever. So they become more and more and more valuable entities, and yet nobody cares. And nobody thinks there's going to be, I mean, I say nobody. The vast majority of investors, as evidenced by the price charts, don't think there'll be any legislation that changes. I think that there will. There could be some things that change, maybe safe banking, who knows, okay? But the point is, nobody out there, as evidenced by the prices, forget about guys who are huge cannabis bulls, they always believe, okay? But that doesn't help anybody make money. I mean, I respect them, and I love them, and I, I, I read their research so I understand the companies. But when it comes to managing assets and managing risk, they don't do that, okay? That's our job. That's our job. We manage the risk, okay? We thank them for their research, and then we manage our own personal risk, right? And so what I'm saying now is nobody cares. There's not a single bit in the prices now that have anything to do with legislation. Nobody believes it. Nobody believes it's going to do legislation. And the way the Congress is arguing, who knows? There probably isn't legislation coming this year. But they can't agree on anything. we got debt ceiling issues. Nothing's going to get done. That's the time to start looking for investments in the cannabis space when nobody cares. So what I'm looking for, the first thing I need to see is a higher low setup, which will tell me that other investors, institutional grade, are starting to see the same opportunity I'm seeing, which is unbelievable fundamentals and, and complete um, capitulation and disbelief that there'll ever be legislation. But then all of a sudden, we start to get higher lows in price. And that means the buyers are starting to come in and support. And, in, and in, if we get higher lows, they start to get more aggressive. And that's when I want to get involved. So I'm hoping that this low in here is going to hold. This type of downtrend takes time to build a base. So I'm looking for it to hold these lows. And if we make higher lows, or a double bottom on like a volume selling reversal pattern, that's when I'll start putting money to work. Precious metals, real quick. The only index that looks even remotely interesting to me on precious metals, let me be clear, is just gold. And even that had a terrible day on Friday. So those of you who follow me on Twitter, when, when gold was up big on the non-farm payroll news in the morning, I said, I, I don't care. Talk to me at the end of the day, right? If gold's up big by the end of the day, then maybe I'll listen to all of the wonderful fundamental ideas of why gold and silver should go a lot higher. I've heard them all. I believe them all. I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. But price is truth. Price is truth. Not what we hope, not what we read, not what we hear. Price is truth. If the stocks can't make higher lows, if, they, if, the, if the assets can't hold on to a gap up morning, then it's just not time to put money to work. So my first step is going to be buying not GLD, but of course, PHYS is going to be my first step. P, 
H-Y-S. Okay? You can see it had a negative bar down, terrible close here, so nothing to do. But this looks like a double bottom trying to form. If this low holds on gold, then my first place to put capital is going to be gold itself. And if I can start making money there, then, of course, I start looking at the gold stocks. And I'm just going to look at GDX, which already broke down, right? So while gold is still above that double bottom, gold stocks broke below and made new lows. So what we need to see is a pattern develop here, proving not just a rally back to the downtrend, but again, just like cannabis, we need higher lows over a period of time, double bottoms that hold and break out above key levels. And we're just not getting that yet in, in these assets. So moving on, I'm looking for price to prove the patterns. And we haven't had that yet, but we watched them closely. And I, I look forward to investing in both groups at some point in the future when it sets up correctly. Um, Moving on, I'm going to rip through a couple of uh, stock charts right now, and then I'm going to get to your questions. It's been a half an hour of chatting. It's probably too long. I always go over. So let's just um, rip through. Energy is the sector. Energy is the sector that we're talking about. I highlighted it. I talked about it a little bit earlier. I told you there's one sector that performs really well during stagflation, and it is energy. So let's look at the energy sector and see we know this is treasuries. We know treasuries are breaking down, yields are going up, and we know that economic numbers aren't that great. So, gee, what's happening to energy stocks? Oh, they're confirming stagflation. Energy stocks are starting to run. One of the number one groups in the market right now. Holy smokes. Are the coal stocks. If I told you that the Green Party is going to get elected. If I told you that Democrats are going to get elected, and you could have a choice of investing in cannabis stocks or coal stocks, and I asked you that last year in November, I mean, what would you have said? How about, how about this year? January 1. Democrats are in control of everything. You can own cannabis or you can own coal. What are you going to buy? I mean, I think every single one of us would have said cannabis. <laughs> I mean... The rhetoric out there to, to annihilate the coal industry was at such a fever pitch, right? And coal stocks have been unbelievable this year. Peabody's just exploded. Now, I'm not buying these names. The names that I have my eye on right now are the pipelines. I've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, okay? Kinder Morgan just broke out on Friday. And this is always the institutional favorite. Enbridge just broke out on Friday. This is an institutional favorite. Williams already blew out. Okay, and then OKE. Those are my top four names. Now, I, I, I hate to add um, energy names when they're running. So I'm waiting for weakness, pull back, and build them up in the portfolio. I also don't like putting money to work when we're risk monitor red because generally – even a group like this that can pop for a short period of time, the excitement ends and money rotates somewhere else and they get whacked. So what I'm trying to do is be patient. And when they get whacked back to a base, that's where I want to put positions on. Here's another couple of ideas that I like. Um, I really like Helmer and Payne. This is every single, every single cycle that I've been involved in the market, which is over 30 years now, 
can't believe that's true, but it is. Um, H&P is the best land-based driller in the market. They have the best management team. And there's a lot of interesting things brewing inside this company that could make not 2021, but maybe 2022, a big year for the stock. So HP is at the top of my list to own. It just broke out last week, as you can see. Transocean, it's interesting to me. The drillers are interesting to me. So what happens is the, the exploration and production companies go up first, EMP stocks. They go up first to the price. Of, so when the price of oil pops, these stocks pop, right? And then if you have a real trend unfolding, if, if it's not just a short-term pop, but a real trend is unfolding in oil, let's say this turns into something real, the secondary stocks of the pipelines and the drillers will start to come on. And so I, I generally don't jump on the E&P companies, but if they're working, then I start looking for those secondary names and I put those in the portfolio. If we had risk monitor green, I'd already have done that, right? But I'm, I'm not doing that right now. So being patient. Um, couple of other names at the top of my list. I'm going to give you four. You guys can check these out and do your own research. AMD. If I get risk monitor green next week, I think AMD is a no-brainer. That chart's perfect to me and held up real well in this market. I think IBM, I continually look for entry points here. The Dow has been suffering. IBM has been really trading sideways for a while now, paying a fat dividend. And I think there's a lot of good things happening inside of IBM. It's at the top of my list. Um, when the NASDAQ 100 is selling off like it is and Salesforce.com makes a pattern like that, I have to take uh, notice. So CRM is at the top of my list. Okay? And I'm going to round it out with my favorite electronic vehicle play, my favorite EV play. Okay? The market's really strange right now. We have shortages all over the place, but in specific issues. And they're, it's attacking other industries where there's not shortages, right? So we have chip shortages attacking the auto industry. And so my favorite EV stock makes drivetrains for EV uh, vehicles along with all kinds of vehicles. This is my favorite stock. They've been suffering because of an inability to, to make cars, right? So we've seen a dramatic reduction in the ability to make cars. But MGA is without a doubt my favorite EV play. So there's the downtrend because we all know we can't make cars and chips are shortages and blah, blah, blah. It's just broken out above these key moving averages in the downtrend. And we go look at shares of Ford. Shout out to Lena for catching this, an Armor Insider. She caught it right in here and Ford's just exploded. So if the auto stocks start going higher, suggesting maybe that the chip shortage is starting to, to, to ease up, GM, Ford, right? If that's true then this is my, my favorite way to play it, right there. And I'll be looking to put that trade on next week. All right, so those are some thoughts. I hope you find them helpful. Let's get to the Q&A here and, and wrap up our day. Um, so I'm just going to rip, rip through your questions. What do you say? Call me crazy. I loaded up. <laughs> okay, let's look at your stock. You're crazy, man. You're crazy. Um, but everyone's got a different risk tolerance. So there's nothing wrong with you, you making your own choices here. You're preempting a risk monitor uh, a green signal. And so what I say to anybody who wants to preempt a risk monitor green signal, sometimes I do it when the Fed's adding liquidity, I'll preempt a green signal. I'll look at my algos and say they're, they're in the right position. And so I might put a couple of trades on Fed's adding liquidity. I'm going to be early. Fed's reducing liquidity. 
We have weak economic numbers. We have stagflation. So there's, there's nothing in me that wants to preempt the green signal. When we get green, I'll go find whatever ideas are on my whiteboard that line up with the market. This means I'm going to miss some stocks that go up, and I don't care. I'm waiting for the right entry point where the risk rewards right, probabilities are at their highest, and that's when I'm going to put my money to work. But if you want to start with these names early, then my suggestion to, do, to you is to make sure you're using the right stop losses so you don't bury yourself. That's all. You know, you want to take a shot, that's fine. Just make sure you got a, a, a stop that makes sense. Tell Ray, I mean, I, they can't make money. I mean, uh, you know, you had to be disappointed by that earnings announcement this week. You know, Tellery just can't make any money. The Canadian stocks aren't making the kind of money they should be making, and, and they look god-awful. So I don't have any interest in Canadian stocks fundamentally. But I do watch them technically, because if they set up, they, they generally go up in front of the U.S. names. They generally do. So uh, I'll continue to watch that, and I hope you do well in those trades, my friend. <laughs> Raymond, if you were on the armor... Um, uh, trading desk this week, you would have heard me um, say to everybody about, what was it, I guess five days ago, or no, right here, this day right here, uh, on the 5th of uh, October, I wrote right into the Slack trading desk, the Armour Slack trading desk, it's now or never on MicroStrategy. There's the entry point. If you believe in MicroStrategy at all, that's where you put the trade on. It goes below the 200-day. That would be my stop. I know, Raymond, you'll, you, you won't stop it for the rest of your life, but um, I would uh, I would put that trade on here, and the stop would be um, the the 200-day moving average there. So um, I couldn't uh, agree with you more. That was the right entry point. And then let's just look at a couple other names real quick. I mean, Mars trying to pop up there, and you know, SI has always been my favorite fundamental idea for um, a Bitcoin uh, a stock. This is my favorite. Bitcoin company. It's a bank. They have five branches. Uh, all they do is a commercial bank. They help uh, institutions monetize their Bitcoin collection. This is a real company. It's my favorite name, and it blew out last week. BP, British Petroleum. All right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that idea. And I think, you know, honestly, have you looked at CBX lately? You know, this thing is coming out across a major level of, of 100, you know. It broke out above it, pulled back, made that double bottom, gapped up right here, and that looks really good. It's got a 5% yield. Yep. Ether, sure. Taiwan Semi, that's going to be interesting. That's interesting. I, I'm not jumping in front of that earnings number, but because um, it just hasn't paid off to be in front of earnings on these stocks. But um, boy, a double bottom at the 200-day. And my favorite stock. I love to. I love to own Micron again. I just it needs to get above the 200-day before I put that trade on. So it'll be fun to watch Taiwan Semi and see what they have to say. Oh, you're you're welcome. Glad you enjoyed the intro. Uh, Canadian stocks, yeah, they look real good. I always liked uh, CNQ. 
have a soft spot there for Canadian natural resources and uh, and Suncor. Yeah. Look, I mean, I'm not chasing these stocks as they break out in here, but and this is another reason why I say that. Um, if we get risk monitor green and the market breaks out, let's say next week, my guess is, it's just a guess. My guess is you'll see weakness in the, in the energy stocks at the beginning of that because people will book some profits on energy and roll them into Google and Microsoft. Okay. So on the weakness in energy, I'll look to buy those stocks. That's what I'm looking to do. That's my guess. All right. We'll see what happens. Um, Merck and shop. Yeah. So, you know, Merck had the announcement that they have a um, pill that helps a lot of people who have COVID. So, you know, it broke out of this huge base and now you're just trying to figure out where do you put that position on? Um, You'd like to see it hold this, this gap. If it comes down and closes the gap, I don't know. I don't know. I'm struggling with this idea because I, 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 I like it. I like it, but um, I don't see any signs of wanting to put the money to work yet. And then what about Regeneron? You know, it got crushed on the Merck news. But does that mean that Regeneron's business is over? I don't think so. I don't know. I'm looking at that. And I also am looking at Pfizer for when do I double my position again, right? When it, we, we bought it right in here. It skyrocketed to 50. We were writing calls or we were booking profits up here at 50. And it's come straight down. So I'd like to double that position. I have a core position on them trading around the core. I'd like for a reason to you know, add to my Pfizer position. Well, that's not a chart that really compels me. I don't love that chart right there. So um, if I'm going to go, you know, with putting on a chart pattern, I'd rather go buy some Microsoft, you know, how about some Google? I mean, you could easily throw money at those names. They've just had a little correction to the 50, and then they're back above the 50. So they're leading the market. If we get risk monitor green, it's probably going to happen because Google breaks out and Microsoft breaks out again. You know, they're trading above their 50. It went below and it closed above. So they have relative strength versus the market. Uranium stocks. Let's take a look at them. And this is a great example of what I'm talking about when it comes to rotation. So we have this massive run-up. This is a market where you get on a trade, it rips, you have to book your profit before it dips. This is not a, tra- a market where it, it just keeps on going. This is what makes me wonder about um, uh, the, the Bitcoin Ether type of ideas. They ran up into um, discussions about the SEC approving a Bitcoin uh, ETF, when really we found out the SEC just approved a regular ETF of stocks that, you know, that of companies that have Bitcoin on the balance sheet. So you get this pop-up and excitement over something that really isn't true. I wonder what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Does it come right back in? I'm curious to see how that trades. But anyway, so... CCJ, you got to get it while you got it and book your profits. Um, I know the uranium story. I know it's great. I've, I've heard the story. Okay. Um, now I'm just looking for the right entry point. We don't have it yet. What it did last week was come back up and close the gap, which is typical. And it had a terrible Friday. 
what we want to see is a move back down into this area to test the low. And if we get a double bottom, then I'll be looking to put those trades into the portfolio. I, I really like to actually do that. I, I want to own these names. I like the story. But the price charts are going to have to prove themselves. DNN's got to hold up here at the 50-day, right? MXE's got to hold the 50-day. If they do, and we get a nice like reversal bar pattern, well, then I'm, I'm more than willing to put those trades into the portfolio because I think there's a real story there. Oh, good for you. Glad you're killing it. Big, nice run up on, you know, first the Amazon news and then the, the Target news, and this thing is having a real nice run in here. INMD. All right, let's do some work on that together. We've got a couple other names uh, for the list here. CYBR, you were asking about in the Slack room. CyberArk looks pretty good, right? TCK is my favorite copper play. That chart looks really good, Ares. Let's make sure we talk about that on Monday. That's a good looking. That's a good looking stock. Ooh, that little gem of an idea you came up with. Always count on Ares for the gem of an idea. Or chart pattern, let's put it that way. You always pull out some good patterns. Full range seating systems for passenger cars, vehicles, light trucks. So this is like the MGA type of idea. There are some names, some companies that have suffered um, during, this, during this chip shortage, right? And then their revenues and earnings will revamp when you start building cars again, right? So MGA, AD&T. And then uh, got snow on the list. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll keep those keep those on our list. I do check Canadian companies uh, in regards to what I mean. You can own Canadian energy stocks. I own I own Canadian mining companies all the time, um, and certainly every now and then I'll own a uh, a, uh, a Canadian uh, a cannabis company. Oh, I don't care. Yeah, I don't like Chinese stocks. I won't touch them. I don't care what Baba looks like. Just a question of an opportunity cost of money. And that looks like, talk about the definition, Saber, of a falling knife. That's like a falling scimitar. That's like, that's like a falling lightsaber. I mean, that's like, I mean, whatever is the most destructive thing that will cut off your arm as it's falling is what that chart pattern looks like to me. And so it had a nice couple days of a rally. You know, it means nothing to me. I mean, how could it mean anything to you? Because you could wake up on Monday morning and, you know, um, the China Communist Party could decide that, you know, Alibaba and their entire management team needs to um, go to a work camp and get reindoctrinated for all I know. So, I mean, how can I buy these stocks? I just can't. It's not worth it to me. The risk is not worth the reward. How do you know that? They're going to announce a huge dividend very soon. How'd you get that information? VMware. Okay. So unless you actually have inside information where you're sure they're going to announce a huge dividend very soon, I mean, how, how do you know that? Let's just keep it to what we know. 
You know, maybe they're talking about it. Maybe they're saying they're going to do it. How do we know what the date is? But um, if you like the pattern, you like the company, there's a reason to own it. It's not a bad, I mean, it's not a bad pattern. Figure out what that gap down was. And if you can actually recapture the 200 day, maybe there's something, something cooking there. Michael Dell said so. Well, all right. So that's information we all know. And yet the stock is looking like this. So I wonder what Michael Dell's real axe is to grind. All right, guys, listen, this has been fun as always. I appreciate your time uh, spent. I look forward to seeing you guys next Saturday. In the meantime, um, don't forget to follow me on uh, Instagram, um, of course, YouTube always. But I'm going to try to do some short five-minute videos during the week when there's something really important to discuss in a small window. We have lots of fun, at least I do, spending an hour with you on Saturdays. But sometimes there's just specific things I want to hit on, and I'm going to start putting them up uh, uh, on Instagram. Of course, I'll release them on YouTube later, but um, for real time, you might want to watch that. So consider that. In the meantime, have a great weekend, everybody. Um, bond market is closed on Monday, which is another reason why you may see the market rally, because we won't see anything going on with interest rates. Okay? So weakness Monday morning might be a fantastic index trade. That's what we're focused on on the Armour Report. Hope you all have a great weekend. Take care, everybody.